what the health tech listeners i'm your host this week hayley levine this is the podcast where we tackle some of the trending topics ideas and best practice in health and social care this week we are back joined by peter ceo of avma we were talking all about the work that they do to improve patient safety support um healthcare workers and also patients and families that have been through avoidable harm really really important work that they do and peter shared some some kind of stories last week so if you haven't heard that please go back and listen but otherwise thank you for joining us again peter i'm looking forward to to carrying on on our conversation so have you ever had any or seen any kind of or has anything stood out to you like a standout moment where you've really impacted either a patient or an NHS worker or a healthcare worker? Yes, I mean, I can think of many, but uh, I want to say one that's more about the impact that they made on me and all of us than the impact we had for them, because, we, you know, we do that. That's our bread and butter. We do every single day. But I've mentioned the duty of candour. It should never be talked about without mentioning one particular family and one particular man actually, who's done more than anyone else to raise awareness of the need for that legal duty of candor. Uh, And um, it's a a man called Will Powell, who lost his son, Robbie Powell, um, over 25 years ago now, uh, through an avoidable incident where there was an attempted cover-up. And they've campaigned relentlessly, that family, and Will in particular, uh, and were kind enough to let us borrow Robbie's name for our campaign. We called it Robbie's Law, uh, which is the duty of candor. Um, so just seeing what happened to that family and how they had the, the strength and the courage to carry on campaigning for decades at great cost, great personal cost to the family, um, um, it's absolutely outstanding and if if you haven't heard the story i think there's information still on our website or you can google it uh, robbie powell or will powell uh, it's an amazing story uh, that touches every aspect of the system um, in healthcare or justice that that family had to try and use are you okay sharing a bit of that story what happened Yes, I don't, it, it's um, it's it's been recorded publicly. I don't mind sharing it. It's a it's an amazing story. Well, Robbie died uh, of uh, he was only age ten at the time uh, of a disease called Addison's disease, and the reason he died from it was that it wasn't diagnosed and treated quick enough, and it was a mixed bag. It was a case that actually became a medical negligence case and um, um, people were found to have been negligent. Uh, A mixture between the care provided by the GPs uh, and the hospital in that particular part of South Wales. So it was a negligence case um, and there was a small amount of compensation paid but that all got ended up getting swallowed up and many thousands more on legal fees that the family had to um, had to pay in order to get to the bottom of all this and to hold people to account, uh, because in that case there was an attempted cover-up, um, but the family could never get any of the systems or institutions to take action about that attempted cover-up, um, and to this day have been frustrated. But at least they've got that some small satisfaction that there is now 
uh, statutory duty of candour uh, in England, in Scotland, soon Northern Ireland and Wales. Um, and it's probably not the full Robbie's Law that the family would like to see, um, but it's a big, big step in the right direction. Amazing people, really, that they've had the strength mm. to do what they've done in a situation like that. Really strong. Yeah. And it's the, the privilege that I've had in my career, Adler, of meeting not just the Powell uh, family, but so many other families who've gone on through their adverse experience to become great champions for patient safety. Um, and so I've had, you know, the impact it's had on me is, is just immense being able to mix with such strong and powerful people who've suffered such adversity and also to have had the privilege of working with some of the best doctors and nurses um, committed to patient safety that there are. Uh, and also, I have to say also, um, some of the best lawyers uh, who are committed to human rights uh, and, and justice for people who need it. Um, there are some, some amazing people, but it's, it's the families um, more than anyone else who've impacted me. Yeah, it's really heartwarming to see how many people are dedicated to improving this, whether they work in healthcare or not. It's it's amazing. Like I'm inspired every day when I see it. Really. Mm. Um, I guess obviously you talked about being impacted by a situation where um, change has happened. But is there anything you've seen that's really emotionally impacted you? Because it must be really you know, really difficult seeing some of these things. And I don't know how you do it, to be honest. I'd really, I think I'd really struggle. But is there any kind of example you have of a situation like that that's really, really hard? Uh, yeah. Um, there's um, there, there's a case of a, a girl called Chloe mm. um, who was very, very young. Um, and she died of meningitis in the end. Um, but her parents had made really big efforts try, to try and get her cared for, to try and get a diagnosis. Um, and, you know, just getting to know that, that family, those parents who'd lost such a young and beautiful daughter, quite needlessly. Um, and to make matters worse, the way that they were dealt with really quite insensitively um, following the incident. Um, that's a one of the many sad um, incidences that have impacted on me. And of course, my colleagues who are doing the day-to-day -day work hear and see about many more. Um, but Chloe has become one of those talismans for me that remind me about what it's all about at the end of the day and give us the passion for what we do. I guess like, going through something like that and seeing situations like that you you probably have to have a talk with yourself and say this is why I'm doing this for a girl like Chloe and remembering Chloe and trying to make sure that what happened to Chloe is never going to happen again so it's hard yeah but you're right but that's where we take our passion and our inspiration from um and it's not an overnight fix it's a long long road um but um we like to think that improvements are being made. And they definitely are. You know, the NHS have brought out the new Learn From Patient Safety events. They've brought out the, the latest kind of patient safety framework. 
recently. There's huge like motivation from healthcare to really change things and work more collaboratively as an organisation. What What are your thoughts on some of these new things coming out recently? Um, I think they're good. Um, we contributed towards a new patient safety incident response framework. Great. That's a mouthful. They call it yeah. PSERF. PSERF. <laughs> It's easier. Um, yeah, um, that's that's an improvement. It's an improvement on the previous guidance that existed. And actually, um, we were very grateful to the staff leading that, that they actually adopted elements of something that we're working on with, uh, with various stakeholders, including NHS trusts and the healthcare safety investigation branch, which is called the harmed patient care pathway. So what we've done there is identify the key things that are needed by patients or families when there has been harm. And we've articulated them into a set of standards that trusts can then use to actually benchmark themselves against. And we've got a number of trusts who are actually pilot piloting this approach now. Um, and the PSERF has actually adopted part of it already eventually we'd like to see the whole package of the harmed patient care pathway adopted by the NHS uh, as standards that are easy to understand with detailed guidance behind each one. Um, uh, and it, what, it, what it will do is bring together various other guidance and strands of thought um, into one really thought through package that's clear and simple but so, so important that patients or families who uh, suffer harm uh, actually have access to some of those things. So it, it covers things like a full and proper and compassionate uh, adherence to the duty of candour, uh, but also access to perhaps psychological support, counselling, access to independent specialist advice or advocacy to help people through these very complex systems when they're not equipped to deal with them uh, themselves alone. Um, uh, and a process for involving people in learning. Because as we started out in saying, that's the most important thing for all of us. And if people can actually feel part of a process that is learning from that incident and making things safer and better for other patients, that can be a great comfort to them. So, um, yeah, that's uh, another example of where things are moving in the right direction. Um, and, uh, you know, keep your eyes peeled for that. I think it, it's being very, very well received from the health professionals, the NHS trusts, uh, etc., who we're working with. And I believe will one day, like the duty of candour, become accepted as something that's necessary. It's not just airy-fairy guidance and best practice. Yeah, it's, it's, we've spoken to a lot of people uh, recently about kind of um, that collaboration piece and getting everyone involved. And um, it's really important in learning and changing and making improvements. And we spoke to um, Judy from ITS Leadership recently, and she's been working on uh, something called ARRs, which is actually, uh, sorry, AARs, which is after action reviews. And it's all about um, reviewing when an incident's happened, bringing lots of different people together almost like a huddle to review 
the action, essentially review the actions that had happened. But this isn't just your senior people in a business. This is um, your frontline staff, some senior people, but also patients and families can be involved in these reviews as well, which I think is a huge step because often the patients and the families were involved in the situation, but then aren't involved in the learning. And they have a huge part to play in that. Um, and I think that's amazing, really, a big step. Yeah, and uh, that's a very good initiative, uh, the Art of Accident Review, uh, and makes absolute sense. It's very, very compatible with the work we're doing in a harm patient pathway. Uh, and so connecting these things and making them simpler for uh, frontline staff and for healthcare organisations to follow uh, is what we're, we're seeking. Um, because there's too many uh, different, completely unseparated, uh, unconnected yeah. rather, um, initiatives taking place, you know, pulling them together in a form that makes it easy for people to do the right thing is the ultimate goal. Yeah, uh, it, it can be hard though, can't it? You've got suppliers trying to do things, you have um, separate private organisations, you have healthcare organisations all trying to do the different things. I guess how... How should people get involved with the work that you do and how do you think we we can bring it all together? Well, we, we really want anyone who's as passionate as we are about patient safety and also fairness, both for health professionals and for harmed patients and families in particular, to get in touch with us, uh, to feed into our thinking, our thought process, to be part of our networks. Um, and... You know, we're lucky in that we have lots of people we collaborate with. I've mentioned the work we've done with the Doctors Association um, very recently, which is just so positive and demonstrates that, you know, it's not a question of patients versus doctors and nurses. We're in this together uh, and working collaboratively, we can really, really make a difference. And to date, not enough has been done to involve patients and families in solution work, when actually they have a lot to offer because it's them that have gone through the experience or that understand their health problem. Yeah, obviously in like um, primary care, they have the patient participation groups. Um, do they have those in secondary care as well, or is it just more of a GP practice thing? They have things that are similar. So uh, many uh, uh, NHS hospitals will have their own patients group who they liaise with. Uh, and of course, now uh, we have Health Watch uh, across England. So the local Health Watch is a sort of patients group that works with NHS trusts. And the most recent innovation is the development of something called Patient Safety Partners. Uh, and this is something we've welcomed in that the NHS in England has said that every trust needs to recruit uh, lay people, for want of a better word, um, to be patient safety partners and bring a patient perspective to their patient safety work. So it gives them a formal role and hopefully there'll be good training and support available for those patient safety partners to work with the NHS trusts uh, as well as primary care on patient safety issues. So another example of, you know, there's um, things are moving in the right direction and there's good initiatives being taken. 
sometimes they could be thought through a little bit better and sometimes they need resources uh, being allocated to them as well but um or more resources to actually make them realistic but you know we are moving in the right direction and there's some good opportunities there to make a difference yeah what are your thoughts on um the announcement of the new patient safety commissioner henrietta have you managed to get speak speak to her at all uh, yes, well, I know Henrietta Hughes from her days at the Freedom to Speak Up Guardian's office. Um, and uh, she's a very good person. I'm sure she'll make a good patient safety commissioner. And we really, when the report came out from uh, Baroness Cumberledge's review of medicines and devices, um, with the recommendation that there be a patient safety commissioner, we were really very excited and think there's great potential in such a role. I've got one question mark about the way it's been set up so far, yeah. um, which is that Henrietta's role as patient safety commissioner, in theory at least, or on paper, officially at least, is restricted to being a patient safety commissioner when it comes to medicines or devices. Now, medicines and devices are really, really important in patient safety, and they are also uh, the source of a lot of things going wrong, as we learned through Dame Cumberledge's review. But patient safety is much, much wider. Uh, and we'd like to see um, the role widened so it could look at patient safety in the round, um, not being restricted to the area of medicines and devices. So hopefully uh, it's just the beginning. Uh, it will be used as a sort of pilot. Uh, and when the post shows its worth, it will be expanded uh, and made into a, an overall patient safety commissioner role, perhaps with with um, deputy uh, commissioners for specific areas. And that would really, I think, be a great addition to the system. Um, a bit of constructive challenge, if you like, uh, and bringing a patient and family perspective to considerations of patient safety right at the highest level within the Department of Health and Social Care. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, to be honest. I think we can't get enough of um, patient safety roles around the country. And I think that would be, I, I, I agree, that would be a great addition. Definitely. Um, the patient safety learning, we've actually been talking to them quite a lot and they did mention um, AVMA as well and that they kind of work with you guys as well. Um, and they do some amazing work. And I think it's it's quite, it's amazing actually to see how many charities and organisations are focused on patient safety. Have you kind of had many experiences with them previously? Well, patient safety learning are certainly one of the organisations we work and collaborate with. Mm -hmm. They're relatively new, uh, I think only uh, a few years old. Yeah. Um, but they, they do fill an important space in that they collect information uh, and learning uh, and make the spreading of that information and learning easier and simpler through their portal, what they call their hub mm. um, and other means. So uh, yeah, um, they're a good addition. And of course, we have to collaborate on a daily basis with lots of different organisations not just in the NHS and social care and government departments, but other charities. So we, we work closely with the Patients Association, uh, for example, 
We have links with uh, Healthwatch England um, and a whole range of national charities focused on health for patients uh, with specific health conditions um, for whom patient safety is, is also a, uh, an issue. So collaboration is really the name of the game and we're fortunate to have a good variety of organisations we can work with. Yeah, so we um, chatted, I think it was last year, um, and then became partners with AFMA um, January in 2022. And I think when we originally spoke, it just made a lot of sense because we have those same goals when it comes to patient safety and when it comes to just making a difference in this industry. Um, and when we spoke, I just I was really inspired by what you do, and I definitely wanted Radar Healthcare to be a part of that, and and be a part of that change that you're that I know that's gonna you're gonna impact essentially. Um, how do other organisations like Radar Healthcare get involved, and what is it that you look for in a partnership as well? Uh, thanks for saying that, Haley, and we're so glad to have Radar on board as one of our partners for patient safety. Now, Partners for Patient Safety is an initiative we've launched to actually demonstrate that industry and business uh, have an important role to play in patient safety, which isn't given the status that it deserves. Um, and it's a corporate membership scheme that allows companies like yours, but others also uh, in the medtech world, to actually get involved with AVMA uh, to demonstrate that we're on the same wavelength, that we're after the same things, to demonstrate corporate responsibility, um, corporate um, responsibility for doing good uh, in your space in society, uh, because you know the income uh, from this scheme is also helping fund the work of the charity. And at the moment, we get no statutory funding. So all the funding we get is we go out and get it or benefit from partnerships like this. So we are appealing to any um, any companies who operate in the patient safety space, um, if they feel it's appropriate, to get involved, to become one of our partners for patient safety. And we think over time we'll become a really, really powerful voice uh, where the voice of industry, of medtech, of patients and families combine to get really important messages across. And I definitely am proud that we are part of that because I think it's really important and I think it's it's going to have the impact that we're hoping for um, in the future. And like you said, it's, it's not going to happen overnight, is it? It's going to be a long process, but we're seeing steps being taken already and this is the space to be in because we're going to have the biggest impact on people's lives, really. Um, I know we've spoken recently about the harm patient pathway as well and, and how um, we can collaborate a lot more on that and help you to get it out into um, the NHS more and through our partners and how we can get that done really because I think again it's just such, it's such an important project that you're working on. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean I've already talked about the harm patient pathway mm. but um, you're absolutely right that our collaboration with you and potentially other companies as well, you know, demonstrates that any initiative like that can be helped and supported through good technology, through good services and products. Um, and doing that can actually 
make it easier for people to do the right thing, uh, which is what we're all about doing. Uh, and it can make a great contribution. So there are lots of practical ways in which industry can support various initiatives in patient safety, including those ones that actually come from patients and the families uh, about the response that they uh, want to see uh, and making it easier for the health organisations to actually do that. Yeah, you are right. Um, and good technology is necessary in this process. But how, how about the people? How do you get the buy-in from um, the people that you're trying to get to, to do it, I guess? Um, well, again, um, there are lots of people in the patient safety world, mm. uh, in the health professions, who completely buy into what we're all about, patient safety and justice. Uh, I mentioned our collaboration with the Doctors' Association. Um, uh, NHS England Improvement know about these areas. They're already adopting some of our ideas from Harm Patient Pathway in their guidance. Um, and the regulators, people like the CQC, uh, also are showing a strong interest in all these things. So um, we are getting buy-in, um, but what's difficult in the system uh, we live in uh, is that organisations have their own very specific roles and that can't sometimes step back in the way that we as a charity have the luxury of being able to do, to step back and see that the whole system, the whole problem. Uh, because they have very specific things that statutorily they must do or they're limited doing. Uh, so what would really help if we kind of break through some of those barriers and get people to think in a more creative way, not just in the, their little silo of health and social care about how things could be made better. A perfect example of that is this bizarre anomaly there is that although everyone I speak to says that patients and families who suffer harm, all those ones we've heard about and seen speak and countless others that are the subject of public inquiries and other scandals, they deserve, they should have the right to get independent advice and support in dealing with what they have to deal with. And yet, no one organisation accepts it's their job, uh, their responsibility to make sure that happens. And consequently, there's a complete gap. There is no public funding going towards independent advice or support for people who suffer avoidable harm, which is has got to be one of the most scandalous gaps that's been allowed to continue for years. Um, and that's the kind of holy grail that we're seeking is where, you know, um, through uh, people like patient safety commissioners, um, uh, being able to look at things in that way um, and through Department of Health and Social Care understanding what just culture really should look like um, so that these these really awful gaps can be actually filled um, and there'll be a better response to the sadly uh, the minority but the not infrequent cases where patients are actually harmed avoidably. Why do you think those gaps are there? Like, what are the main barriers? Well, the, the, the easy answer to that would, would be money. Um, because, you know, people, as well as having their silos uh, that they concentrate on and not seeing the bigger picture, um, are restricted in the amount of resources they have. Um, but 
what we're talking about in terms of filling this gap of support for patients and families is like absolute crumbs from the table uh, of what those NHS bodies and regulators spend every single month. Um, absolute crumbs from the table. It wouldn't take much uh, to actually for them to think, come together and say, look, rather than just worry about patient involvement or support in our little silo, let's think about what patients need overall. Let's pool some resource, and it would be a modest resource that could fill this gap. Um, and, and that's what's holding it back, a mixture of money being tight, but people not having the creativity or the will to actually come together and solve the problem. Um, that's something that I hope, you know, is now very much more on people's radar, to use that, <laughs> to use your word. Um, uh, and I'd like to think it won't be too long before we get some action. It's been allowed to go unattended for far too long. What would your advice be to um, people who want to step up and support patient safety more or campaign for patient safety, but are maybe a bit nervous to be that person to stand up and do it? That's a really good question because it's not an easy thing for yeah. anyone to do if they're not experienced to actually share their story uh, or to ask awkward questions or if you're a health professional you know to put your head above the parapet and say look there's problems in my organization so people should seek out where they can get support now in terms of patients and families um, that it's primarily AVMA my charity but there are other charities that they might be connected with also uh, that can give them uh, support uh, and confidence uh, and even training or mentoring to actually um, become a champion for patient safety and justice. And, and we're doing that a bit within our own organisation, is actually promoting those individual champions for patient safety as well and supporting them. Um, but staff need that, that nurturing, that mentoring and support also. Um, so there are opportunities, um, you know, just identify where you can connect with the appropriate organisation, be it AVMA, be it the Doctors' Association, um, be it NHS England and Improvement. Um, there are places for you to go. Great. And then finally, I guess it's probably a really difficult question, but what would, if you could see one thing happen um, in the future that improves patient safety, what would that be? I'd say, uh, and you won't be surprised to hear this, Hayley, uh, full adoption and rollout of what we're calling the harmed patient care pathway. Yeah. And that really brings together the various threads of what would be a massive support to patients and families who suffer harm, but would also create the right kind of culture, a just and fair culture, uh, that we all know uh, and agree is needed if we're going to see the big changes in patient safety we all want to see. Great, some, uh, some really interesting and also very sad um, things we've talked about there. And I really hope that all of these things are gonna be, and I actually am very positive that these things are gonna be, um, are gonna happen. I think there's too many people now that are dedicated to improving patient safety, which is great. 
now we just need that resource like you say and the funding and everything that goes around it to make make it happen but the work you're doing is so important um so at the end of every episode we ask all of our guests for their what the hell tech moment now what this is have you ever been in a weird or a bit of a strange or wonderful situation that has just really impacted on you and you'll just never forget yeah i'd like to share one quite funny one with you now i think i mentioned that my charity was originally called uh, action for the victims of medical accidents and one of the first things I did when I became chief executive is change the name to something that's a little less scary and reflective of what we're all about, which is action against medical accidents. Mm. Um, so we're not against uh, the individuals, the, people, the health professionals who are involved in things going wrong. Um, we're about preventing those things happening in the first place is what that is meant to symbolise. Uh, but naturally, it uh, took people quite a long time to get their head around this name change and how we could still call ourselves by the acronym AVMA, A-V-M-A. So anyway, not so long after we changed the name and we publicised it all over the place, I was really pleased to be invited to a very um, high profile, important meeting at the Department of Health. Uh, And uh, it was great that they were inviting me to actually be around the table with some of the leading figures in patient safety uh, in the country. And I went to this room, uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, very nervous, but a bit proud. And I noticed that we all had our, our, our name plates in front of us with our name and the name of the organization. And some, someone at the Department of Health had clearly got very confused uh, with the name change and had our name as uh, action against victims of medical accidents. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> action against the victims of medical accidents, which couldn't be further from what we're about. <laughs> action against the victims. That was quite a funny one, actually. <laughs> Did you say anything? Um, I politely pointed it out and... Um, <laughs> You all had a bit of a laugh. Yeah, please don't uh, put this on like a big screen or anything and say that we're against the victims. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, at least it wasn't one of the BBC interviews I did. <laughs> well, that, yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> but yeah, I think I heard someone say action versus medical accidents for the V. Was that you that said that or someone else? Uh, I Yeah, uh, when it, so the way we... We when we changed our name, we still wanted to keep the acronym Avma yeah. because all our friends know us as Avma. Yeah. But rather than the V standing for victims, we changed it to a little V, like you see in legal cases, you know, action versus medical accidents. Yeah. But the V actually stands for action, so it's action against medical accidents. But you're not you're not the first one who's been confused by it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's easy. It's catchy. I'll leave it to my successor about whether whether he wants to make a further name change. I'm not going through another one in my career. <laughs> uh, well, honestly, it's been great to talk to you and I am a huge supporter of what you guys do. Um, I always will be. And I'm so glad that we can be a part of it and a part of that um, important work that you're doing. So thank you so much for sharing. It's been really great. Thank you, Hayley. And thank you to Radar Healthcare as well. Yeah, no worries. We'll... Well, uh, yeah, like I said, it's 
it was a no-brainer when we had the conversation it's really it's great thank you um so next week uh we are speaking to me um i am being interviewed and i'll be chatting all about where the podcast came from um and a little bit about kind of the the marketing world at radar healthcare as well so i don't know how i feel about me being interviewed and going out it's a bit of a strange one but yeah watch it if you if you feel like it um, don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and if you have any questions for us or our guests or you'd just like to find out more about AVMA and how you can get involved then please email us at whatthehealthtech at radarhealthcare.com. Thank you. Thank you.